awesome. I want to set up this, this testimony. Um, Andy Willard is truly a life that's been changed. And you're going to see how much so in, in a moment here. I want to encourage, as you're watching, uh, to notice that, um, like many of the testimonies that we're going to see, um, and you even saw last week with Teen Challenge, Andy was raised in church. Andy was raised in church. And so check out the testimony of Andy Willard this morning. Grew up in a little Bible church, little town. Everybody knew everybody. I mean, we were there Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. All that. And when I hit 13, and my buddies were progressing, started smoking pot out on the two tracks, and drinking beer, smoking cigarettes. Yeah, 13 on, got pretty dark. I think I just got to a point where. I was a teenager at that time, and my surroundings, the people I was hanging out with, everybody, we were just really close. And it probably got worse when I stopped going to church. I figured, I got this. It's all good. I still believe. You know, justified smoking pot and partying and all that. I would say probably when I left the church, and it was all just more so I felt like hanging out with my friends more than I did going to church. I guess I was kind of a follower. Everybody was just, I was kind of a guy that, oh, hey, Andy, I got this, you want to check it out? I'm not sure. I, I don't know, call it no willpower, I guess, really. I just, I was easily influenced and I never thought I was. I always thought that I was the one that nobody could convince to do anything. Yeah, when I met Ashley, she was partying with her friends. I honestly had been watching her for a while. My mom worked at the school. I said, Mom, I like this girl. I said, let me know when she's single. And I had asked her to go out with me, you know. And back then, you, you always think, oh yeah, this is the one, this is the one. And ended up, well, now almost 18 years later, it turns out she was the one. And she got pregnant at a young age. I think 15 or 16 was when we had Sean. We were both still in high school. But I continued to party. I, he lived with her at her parents' house. I'd go over and see him during the day, and then I'd go party. And Ashley had a rough upcoming too, you know, and she ended up moving into our house, my mom's house with me and Sean. And I don't think it was, we'll see Sean and I are two and a half, three years apart. And we had Maya. Still not very financially stable, still partying pretty good. At that time, I think it was more so bars, hanging out, shooting pool, getting drunk, smoking pot. I'd say I did most of my hardcore partying at 17, 18 years old. You know, cocaine, uh, pretty much anything. I mean, we used to do acid, shrooms, pot, coke. I've, I've tried meth, I mean, the list goes on. It'd probably be easier to say what I didn't try if we're gonna narrow it down. Didn't care, I was just, Living it up, I guess, at that point. At least at, at that age, I thought I was living it up until I got busted with some friends. There was five of us, busting with a train car out in the middle of nowhere, flooded out the road, ended up finding out when we all were uh, 
investigated by the FBI that it was liquid nitrogen. Yeah, and that's when we, um, that was the first time I got in trouble actually. I was 17, almost 18 years old. And up until that point, I stayed clean to the radar from the law anyways. But that was the federal offense that I caught on a minor record. I think the next time I got in trouble from there was a felony. And that was real bad. You know, I thought I was going to do prison time because I already had this prior conviction amongst the police know who I am because I'm driving like a NASCAR driver everywhere I go. And I always look like I'm messed up, right? Because I was. And, you know, I went and talked to my brother because he was in prison most of my life. And I was basically preparing to go. You know, what do I need to do? And then, you know, I got, God must have been on my side that day in court because I ended up with just two years of probation. And then I'd say July 21st, 2014, things got real bad. I went a long period of time where I said I did good, but I really just did good at not getting caught. I was hiding things, you know, behind my wife's back and not telling anybody about it, just kind of, I guess you can call it being sneaky. And I got busted with heroin. And I didn't realize that it really had got that bad until then. And when I got out, and Ashley and the kids had uh, obviously known because we didn't keep any secrets. And um, yet again in my life, I'm facing 10 to 20 years. And I wasn't so afraid of the prison sentence as I was the disappointing the family, the leaving them behind. And that's when I realized something, something's just gotta give. I, I was sitting on the porch smoking a cigarette and, and I called Tom, Cole. Tom always came to mind. Whenever there's something bad, I can call Tom. I knew Tom ran True Freedom. I'd known Tom 20 something years. And he said, come down, he'd pick me up. The very next day I think was True Freedom and he came and picked me up. We share a pretty similar past, but throughout the process, I I could call Tom any time of the day, no matter what, and he'd answer. Hey, Tom, I'm just, you know, I'm freaking out. Like I'm going to go to prison, man. What? I just need somebody to talk to. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And when I went to court, I ended up with two years of probation and fines on a 10 to 20 year sentence. It's just been a miracle. I'm, I'm surprised that, you know, when I was doing the heroin, there was people just dropping like flies. And there's gotta be a reason I wasn't. You know, I'm still here. With everything I put in my body, it's a wonder that I've made it this long. The heroin bust has been a blessing because the family life is way better than it ever could have been. My relationship now, compared to what it was when the kids were first born, yeah, we're quite a bit closer. As we get older, and we don't keep anything from them. They know, hey, this is why you don't do this. This is why you don't do that. And they feel like I'm hard on them. But it's because of the life that I lived. You know, I, I just wanted to do better than I could. 
guess that's how we ever want to really. I, I wouldn't say I really had cravings because I think the pain kind of kept my mind off it and, and the Bible and being in the church like I was. And I either called Tom or Corey or John. Usually pretty much I got somebody. Me and Jason have become really close so I can call him too. Still been attending Restore Church for the last four years. Clean, sober. Being blessed, I got a house that I said I'd never had. I got the motorcycle I said I'd never had. The vehicles, the family. The, uh, I basically got everything I always said I wouldn't have. Just by giving my life to God. Getting back in the church. What a story, huh? Amazing. I want to look at some portions of scripture with the time that we have left, and I want to learn from Andy's life with you. Proverbs 22, verse 6, says in the New Living I'm reading out of, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. New Living says direct your children onto the right path. The proverb finishes by saying when they're old, they won't depart from the way that they were trained. And I just want to talk about how this scripture is proved true in Andy's life. As you can see from Andy, friends and peers are an enormous influence. Um, and there's no downplaying it. Um, and every parent knows that there comes a point in raising your kid when you are no longer Superman and Superwoman to that kid, that their friends become more of an influence, and they hold more sway in their life than you can at times. And Andy starts hanging with the wrong crowd. He stops going to church. And you're going to find that it's very, very difficult to hang with two crowds. You can visit one, but you're going to hang with another. It's very hard to hang with two crowds. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, in the New King James reads, evil company corrupts good habits. In the ESV, bad company corrupts good morals. In the New Living, bad company corrupts good character. So when you're away from God, things can decline rapidly. And uh, there was a lot of footage that uh, we took of Andy that we didn't show just for sake of time. Um, for Andy, the slide began at 13 years old. While still in high school, he began experimenting with serious drugs. While still in high school, Andy committed a felony. While still in high school, Andy became a father. And as you stay away from God, things only get worse. And I'm not saying that having children is a bad thing, but I'm just saying that a high school student typically does not have the wherewithal to be there for a child yet. They're like kids having kids, as we've said for years and years. Andy then starts hiding things from his wife and kids. He leaves his wife and kids for another woman, which, you know, we didn't even show um, on uh, the, uh, the clip. He gets busted for heroin. He's facing 10 to 20 years in prison. And yet, through it all, he knew that there was somebody that he could call. He knew that there was somebody that he could call. And I'm so grateful for Tom and Sarah's ministry here at the church, True Freedom 
This is the thought that struck me. If bad friends can get you off track, then good friends can get you back on track. And everybody needs at least one good friend. Somebody that is not just going to sit there and say, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Somebody that's going to say, what are you doing? You know, maybe smack you in the forehead. You know, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? I'm thinking of scriptures like Proverbs 13, 20 in the New Living. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. The message says, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. The very next verse, and this one isn't one that is read off in Proverbs 13, 21, says, trouble chases sinners while blessings reward the righteous. Trouble chases Sinners while blessing rewards the righteous. And, you know, righteous, you know, what are the righteous? The righteous are those who are in right standing with God. Righteousness is a state of being to the best of your ability and knowledge of being in right standing with God. And there's grace for baby Christians as they're growing and they're coming to know the Lord. So quit pointing your religious finger at them and just let them grow and encourage them to keep growing, okay? I think sometimes, you know, um, harping on those that are young in the Lord makes about as much sense as getting after a toddler for falling down. I mean, get off their back, let them grow. Let them grow. You don't want them to be like you. You want them to be like Jesus, right? So help them and encourage them. Don't criticize them. I, okay, I'm going to try not to go there too long. So based on who we choose to hang with, we will see trouble or blessings. Our decisions determine what will be chased by, trouble or blessings. Because I believe we're all getting chased. We're all getting chased. What is it? Proverbs 28 says it's the wicked that flee when no one's pursuing them. We're all getting chased. But do you want to be chased by trouble or blessing? We all need someone to call when it gets ugly. Do you know who you'd call right now today? Do you know who you could call? Or would you say that you would be a person that someone could call? Can they call you? Can they call you? I want to go back to our starting verse in Proverbs 22. I'm going to look at a couple more scriptures and then we'll turn you loose this morning. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train them so they won't depart as they get older. So, Pastor John, why should we get our kids, why should we get our teens in church? Why? I'm going to tell you why, so that, they'll, so that they'll have something not to depart from later. Because they're going to need, at moments in their life, to have a place to turn. And if you do not raise them in church, they are not going to have the wherewithal, they're not going to know enough to turn to Jesus. They're not going to know enough to turn to church. The reason why you raise them in church is so they have something to return to. So they have something to go back to. It says train a child in the way that they should go and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Give them something to come back to. Give them something to come back to. Grandparents, I'm looking at you. I believe you are just as responsible if your sons and daughters will not bring their kids to church and doggone it, you do it. Get them in church. Get them in church. You want them to have a place to come back to. You want them to have a place to return to. Give them something to come back to. That's what you should do. That's what you should do. Andy knew 
what he had left. He knew what he'd left. I hear all the time that teens aren't here because they were up really late or they're too tired to, to come to church. And, and so what are we training them to do? Are we training them to stay up late with their peers and not attend church? Is that what we're training them to do? Why are you letting them get away with that on a Saturday night? I don't care how late my boys stay up on Saturday night. You're going to church. Oh, that's too bad. Man, you're probably really tired. I mean, the, the first church service that I ever went to where I really heard the gospel preached, I was up till 5 in the morning snorting coke. I got two hours of sleep. I made it to church. I don't have a whole lot of grace for people that are too tired to come to church. You don't have one hour to cough up in a week? You're that busy? Give me your phone if you're that busy. So they might be playing video games and pounding energy, energy drinks now, but as they get older, the games change. And those drinks go from giving them energy to becoming an influence. And let me just say this, in a day and age when even marijuana is now legal, God is not going to play second fiddle to any influence in your life. Any influence in your life. And I realize that many need it for pain. I'm just saying this, that when something is a dominant influence in your life and you willingly choose it, God is not imposing himself on anyone. He imposed himself on the world through his son, Jesus Christ, when he died for us. And from that moment on, we choose. We choose. And you'll find that God will not compete with an influence if your heart is not genuinely crying out to God. He's not going to compete with that influence. Well, Pastor John, I don't have a problem. Well, if you don't have a problem, then no one else will notice it. But if people are telling you you got a problem and it's noticeable, then you have a problem. If you didn't have a problem, nobody would be noticing it. Your spouse, your family, your employer, they wouldn't be noticing anything. If you've got a problem, people notice it. And if people are noticing it, then maybe it's time to start listening to them. You know, Andy started just by smoking weed and smoking cigarettes and not wanting to be at church. And before he knew it, he's facing 10 to 20 years busted with heroin. I just want to say this, mom and dad, step-parents, your kids don't need friends, they need parents. So while you're trying to be cool, I think you're forfeiting an awful lot. And so I want to take the last few moments to kind of talk to you in a very stern way, moms, dads, even, even grandparents, if you have some kind of say. I just want to take the liberty that's afforded mine, even if we don't ever see again here at this church. I'll feel better tonight when I go home. Go to Isaiah 43 with me. Isaiah 43. I want to show you a portion of Scripture that God spoke to my heart in the very beginning of the days of our church. In fact, I was a young single guy singing in the choir at our church. We went to a very large church in Grand Rapids, and there was a prophet, one of the few really recognized prophetic voices back in those days, some 35 years ago. His name was Dick Mills. And Dick Mills singled me out, and he gave me four scripture, four portions of scripture, and this was one of them. 
It says in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. Gave those verses to me. Singled me out at a large church, you know, probably 1,500 people in the sanctuary that day. One of many services. I believe they were running five services at that time. Uh, three in the morning and two at night. And back in that day, you went to church Sunday morning and Sunday night. Young people, you got it so easy um, these days. Um, when we started the church, I was reading those verses and then God brought me to the very next verse, verse 20. And here's how it applies to you today. It says, the wild animals in the field will thank me, the jackals and owls too, for giving them water in the desert Yes, I'll make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Older versions don't say jackals and owls. It says jackals and ostriches. And that was how I first read it. And God spoke to me and said, you are going to minister to people that make their dens in desolate places. And you are going to minister to people that are very careless with their young like ostriches are. And to verify that, because I didn't know a whole lot about jackals and ostriches, um, I had to look it up a little bit. And I want to close with one last scripture that I read just this morning in Job 39 about ostriches. Because I believe we are living in a day and an age when a lot of our kids are, are fatherless. The, the fathers do not have much influence in their life. And in Job 39... It says, it says this, speaking about the ostrich in verse you know, 13, she flaps her wings grandly, um, but they're no match for the feathers of the stork. She lays her eggs on the top of the earth, letting them be warmed in the dust. She doesn't worry that a foot might crush them or a wild animal might destroy them. She's harsh towards her young as if they were not her own. She doesn't care if they die, for God has deprived her of wisdom. She, he has given her no understanding, but whenever she jumps up to run, she passes the swiftest horse with its rider. So ostriches are good at running, but they're not good at caring for their young. And I believe we got a lot of parents out there that are really good at running, and they're not good at caring for their young. And mom and dad, you... You, you, as soon as you become a parent, you know, your options for living crazy anymore, they're surely gone. They should have been gone before you became, you know, a, a parent. But now that you are a parent, you know, you're escaping and you're running. It isn't helping your kids. And then I've seen it so many times when the parents do come to the Lord, they're frustrated that their kids aren't coming to the Lord while they're still processing all the crazy that you put them through. Give them something to return to. Give them something to come back to. Give them an example. Yup, we did all that. Just like Andy and Ashley were honest with their kids. They've hid nothing. Yeah, oh yeah, we did that. Sorry, I'm so harsh, but when you go through what I go through, you're a little harsher on your kids. Give them something to return to. Moms, dads, grandparents. I mean, is it really too much? I mean, an hour a week, is it, is it too much to ask that you, as a family, come to church? Pastor, we, I don't know how many times, Pastor, we just got out of habit of coming. Well, man, get back in the habit of coming. 
and make it a priority. Sundays are for the Lord. Make it a priority. I don't care if you've got to write it on the fridge or on the bathroom mirror. Sundays are for the Lord. We need to be in church. Why? Why? Let me give you a couple reasons why you want to be in church. Because we're, this isn't just some huge observance that we're, you know, we're, we're bowing, we're kneeling, and then we're, we did our duty. You're in church because the presence of God is washing over you. And he is doing in your life and dealing in your life in a way that only God alone can do. And you are purposing to put yourself in his presence and allowing him to deal with your heart. Allowing him to deal with those hard, prideful areas of your heart. Allowing him to soften your heart so that he can do something with your life that he wants to do so that you don't have your own way with your life. God gets his way with your life and changes people's lives because of you. I'm so glad he didn't leave Andy Willard with needles in his arms and threw him away in a prison cell. I'm so glad that we get to share his testimony. And it was all because he had a friend that he could call. It was all, all because he knew that he could return to the church. He could return to Jesus. And any church that doesn't have its doors open, I don't know why its doors are allowed.